My name is Stuart Albright. This is a podcast about the messes we make and the messes we endure as our parents get older. It's a story about illness and loss, but it's also a story about joy. My mom was a fighter, and she made the most of a really crappy situation. Her life had been reduced to a single room in an assisted living facility with people who were much older than she was. Her mind was still sharp, but she was just as frail as the 90-year-old residents who paced the hallway just outside her door. She was still tethered to an oxygen tank, but she didn't let that stop her from finding joy in the world around her. She made friends with her new neighbors, as well as the caring nurses who handled her medicine and fed her every day. By the time Christmas arrived, her hair was starting to grow back, and she was strong enough to head outside for the first time. I loaded her up in my car with enough oxygen tanks to last a few hours, along with a heavy bronze music stand that somehow survived the move from her house to her new apartment. After dinner, I propped Mom up next to the music stand, and she led the whole family in a Christmas sing-along. Her face came alive the way it always does when she sings. The horns, the horns, awake me at morn. 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 When I got her back to her room at the end of the night, she was exhausted but happy. Over the next couple of weeks, she continued to get stronger. But as she got stronger and her mind grew less foggy, she started to fully understand how much she had lost. Her husband was dead. Her house was gone, along with her business. When I talked to her on the phone, she seemed so sad and withdrawn, with very little to say, which was troubling because my mom always had something to say. She just lay in her bed in the dark, and she didn't answer the door when the nurses knocked. She stopped going to social events with the other residents. People back home started to worry about her. Mom was displaying some of the classic signs of mental illness, but I didn't really see it at the time. I just thought she was grieving, and she was grieving the loss of so many things. Anyone would be sad after losing their husband, their home, and their livelihood. In early March, Mom got better. I'm not sure exactly why. She just started to living again. She turned the lights on in her room and coordinated games with her neighbors. They'd play Name That Tune, and Mom would win every time, pulling from her encyclopedic memory to name every song after the first three notes. Of course, many of her friends were deaf and couldn't hear the song to begin with, but that's beside the point. Mom was coming back to life. And then COVID-19 hit. Like every assisted living facility in the country, Mom was suddenly on lockdown. She could visit the residents on her hallway, but nobody from the outside could visit her. I thought this would make her feel sad again, but it had the opposite effect. She decided to make everyone around her feel less anxious. She organized a talent show and nightly gatherings to watch Jeopardy. When I called her on the phone, she sounded like her old self again, 
finding humor in the absurdity of all this, and meeting these uncertain times head on. She was not going to let this virus defeat her. But I was less optimistic. If this virus found its way to my mom, she would probably die from it. Her weak lungs would not be able to fight it off. Eventually, one of her friends got sick and the whole building went on lockdown. They put up a plastic divider in her hallway and the nurses dressed in hazmat gear. To mom, the whole thing looked like a scene from the movie E.T. When her sick neighbor died from COVID, she was sad, but she kept upbeat. She was not going to let COVID defeat her. Like everyone else, I was stuck at home, trying to get work done while also managing the boundless energy of my two sons. I knew that I was incredibly lucky. I had a house to live in, a family that I love, and I was healthy. My mom was still alive. I miss my dad, though. I was still adjusting to this new kind of grief, struggling with his absence instead of constantly worrying about when he would die. I spent 10 long years worrying about my dad. I don't miss that kind of worrying, but I did miss him. My dad's death put all of this in perspective for me. I was worried about COVID, but I was also acutely aware of the beauty unfolding around me. Spring had arrived, bringing new leaves and the vibrant colors of the season. The warm air reminded me again and again that life goes on, life persists, life matters. In spite of the pain and the suffering and the heartache, life goes on and life is beautiful. One day I was washing the dishes and feeling particularly hopeful. I didn't know how the coming weeks were going to play out, but I was looking forward to some rest and some quality time with my family. A song called Picture Window came over my speakers while I put the last dinner plate away. It's performed by Ben Folds, my favorite North Carolina musician and piano player. The song is about a young mother whose son is struggling to stay alive in a London hospital. It's New Year's Eve. The mother looks out a window and sees the fireworks exploding over London. The contrast between the beauty outside her window and the crushing sadness of her son's illness makes her want to cry. You know what hope is? Ben Folds says, in a much better singing voice than I can muster. Hope is a liar, a cheat and a tease. Hope comes near you, kick its backside. Got no hope in days like these. I lean forward against the kitchen counter and close my eyes, allowing the song to wash over me. I picture that mother as she watches the fireworks and fights off the hope that things will get better in the coming year. Folds continues to sing. And just as she's thinking of pulling the blind down, a rocket bursts in front of her eyes. The city lit up, London's given a bright crown. She tries and fails to stop, her spirits rise. And all at once, I was crying again. I felt overwhelmed with hope and sadness. These two emotions were imprinted on my heart like never before. I was afraid for our country. I was grateful for my family and for the students in my classroom. I miss my dad, and I was grateful that my mom was still alive.
Those early months of the pandemic were strange and memorable, as they were for all of us. I read lots of books with my sons, and we wrote a lot, too. I'd FaceTime with my mom, and she'd write stories with us. After a while, they let her move around her building again, and she was glad to get to go visit her friends. She also started to walk laps outside, strengthening her leg muscles as well as her lungs. She was happy, and she was safe. I felt the familiar weight slowly slipping from my shoulders. The months dragged on, and COVID didn't go away. Mom kept getting stronger, but she still needed oxygen, and she still needed someone to feed her and help her with her meds. But Mom missed her old life, and she missed her old friends, and she felt trapped in her new home. So she started to search for her own apartment. She couldn't feed herself, and she could barely keep track of her countless medications, but she was desperate to move out. Needless to say, my brother and I thought this was a terrible idea. As long as she was in an assisted living facility, we knew that she was safe. But she was also stuck there, and as long as COVID was around, we wouldn't be able to see her face to face. It had been six months since Dad's funeral, and we were right back where we started, trying to figure out what to do with Mom, a grown adult who had her own opinions but who couldn't really take care of herself. So we came up with a compromise. We found a nice place in Durham that catered to retirees. She would have her own apartment with a kitchen and a den. They provided meals and physical therapy and scheduled activities, and we could come by and check on her every week, setting up her meds and buying any groceries that she might need. We weren't sure if mom was ready for this kind of freedom, but it seemed like the best option at the time. Plus, she would be close to Duke Hospital if things went downhill. Mom's lung doctors had told us that she probably only had a year or two to live. Mom didn't know that, although she had to know that she was on borrowed time. Or maybe she didn't. Mom kept saying that she was going to live for another decade, and we didn't have it in our hearts to tell her otherwise. So we presented this new idea to Mom, and she said yes. She was willing to leave Gastonia and move closer to us. On the day before she moved out, a bunch of her friends came over to say goodbye. Mom stood at the front, the front door of her building, and car after car drove by with signs, waving and honking and singing to her. Mom was all dressed up for the occasion. Her new white hair was pinned back stylishly, and her sunglasses couldn't hide the joy on her face. She was ready for this new adventure to Durham. The move to Durham was a blur, and I won't bore you with the details. Mom stayed at my house for a week while we got her new apartment set up. She watched the whole Pirates of the Caribbean series with my boys, and she stayed up late every night, too excited to go to sleep. She talked nonstop and she was exhausting to be around, but it felt good to see her in person again, and it made me happy to see her so happy. It was August 1st, 2020. COVID continued to be a disruptive force in all of our lives, but perhaps some good could come out of this disruption. Mom was closer to us. She was excited about this new chapter in her life. She stayed up late writing plays that she wanted to act out with her grandsons. She talked nonstop. She was almost manic with excitement. I should have seen the warning signs, but, but I didn't. I had no idea that my life was about to be turned upside down once again.
This podcast was written and edited by me, Stuart Albright, with grateful assistance from Robert Albright, Molly Albright, and Jenny Albright. Technical support and resources were provided by the Jordan Innovation Lab. This podcast attempts to honor the complicated legacy of my parents, Nancy and Alan Albright. If you have questions or comments, feel free to contact me at stuartalbright at yahoo.com.